Well, good morning, church family, guests, friends, those of you watching online. We're so glad that you guys are here uh, this morning. Uh, now that we've had uh, that uh, World Series hangover behind us, all those late nights, you know, we've got to set the clock up an hour. I think we all should be rested and ready to roll, right? All right, here we go. Hey, uh, years ago, uh, I was on a short-term mission trip to Bangalore, India. And we were there with a group of, uh, I was leading a team of people, and we were uh, teaching evangelism to some local uh, Christians and churches. And we were in small groups, and we did a lot of that mission uh, team in small group format. We would go out and share the gospel and train people and all these kinds of things. And I had this man in my group. And because our group would often pray together, uh, man, every to prayer, in the most intimate, passionate way, would always address God as master. And then he would usually, after that, would say some lines of, if it would be pleasing to you. And so we would go to prayer, and, and whether he was leading or whatever he was praying, all of a sudden it was just like, it was almost like the world just stood still for a second. He would just go, master. Like, I don't even, I can't even, I can't even imitate. It was just, it was just master. And he said, if it would be pleasing to you. And then he would continue in his prayer. And you know what? That's been so many years ago, and yet that has stuck with me. Because I think that's one of the missing elements to our relationship with God. Because when we come to God, rightfully so, we address him as our heavenly father. Rightfully, rightfully so, we address him as savior and all these things. But how often do we truly come to God as master? Because if he, if he is master and creator and sustainer of all things, and we're in Christ, if he's the master, then that makes us his servants, his servants. And that we would willfully and joyfully humble ourselves and submit ourselves under the hand of our master, our Lord, our God. And we know that God is not this wicked caves in the galley. No, there's this love relationship and we're his beloved children and he's created us and he sustains us and he provides for us and he lavishes his love for us. And he, he gave us Jesus Christ. He gave his son out of his love for us, right? To die on the cross and raise from the grave. He gives us new life. He gives us all these blessings. He's a, he's a faithful, loving master in our life. And I just wonder if that might be something missing in your relationship with God. When is the last time you have come to God and said, Master, if it would be pleasing to you, because what drives and motivates the heart of a faithful servant is wanting to please the master. And here we are, we're in week nine of our Living New series. We only have four more weeks in this thing, man. And I just, it's been amazing to hear all the stories of how God's been growing you and changing you and all the new friendships and relationships that have been built through the life groups and all that God's been doing in your personal study. We've got four more weeks, but today we're going to look a little closer as we're trying to grow as servants to understanding how God is our master and we're his servants and we live out our servitude to God through, through loving him and loving uh, the people that he's put in our lives and specifically utilizing the gifts that God has given us. As you dive in this week uh, in your Living New series, this whole week's going to be about learning more about the gifts that God's installed in you to live for him. If you're a guest, if you're newer, uh, we still have these online. You can get them on Kindle and uh, download it. Just jump in. Each week feels kind of like a standalone week yet they continue to build on each other. And so jump in. And this week we're going to look about how God's gifted us and as our master, how he's given us these resources to use for his kingdom. So with that being said, I want to look at a passage today where Jesus is telling a story. Jesus is telling a, a parable about a master and three 
only servants. And so I invite right now to open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to be in verses uh, 14 through 30 together today. Now, as you're turning to uh, Matthew 25, we're a Bible teaching church. You know, we really believe uh, one of the best things we can do for you is to get you into the Word of God. And even though we have communicators up here teaching the Word, our greatest desire is that you personally are in the Word. So I hope you have a Bible, a Bible application, something that you are regularly involved in. If you don't actually have a Bible, we'd love to give you one as a gift for free. Uh, If you're here on site today, you can get one at the Information Center. But as you're turning to Matthew chapter 25, Verse 14, uh, this is a parable, this is a story that Jesus is telling during what's called the Olivet Discourse. Now, the Olivet Discourse is this message that Jesus is giving on the Mount of Olives. Here's a picture of modern-day Mount of Olives. Some of us have been there uh, before. And, and, and what happens is, is there's the old city of Jerusalem, and then you go across the Kidron Valley, and up here is this olive grove on this hill. It's the Mount of Olives. And Jesus was up there just days before his death on the cross, days before uh, the resurrection, and he was teaching. And really the theme of his teaching was the kingdom of heaven. And he was trying to teach his disciples about how to be, how to live like faithful servants in the reality with the understanding that he was going to die and come back and then resurrect, ascend to heaven, and then one day come back again. And in light of that in-between period between his ascension and his second return, how are we to live in this season as servants of God? And so that's really the context of the, all of the discourse of how to live faithfully in light of the return of Christ. And so uh, what we see here is in this component, he's going to share as servants, how can we live faithfully through this parable? So as we move through the passage, let's uh, look for, identify three observations that apply to faithful servants, all right? And the first one is this, a faithful servant uh, is entrusted with gifts from their master. A faithful servant is entrusted with gifts from the master. Look at Matthew 25, and look with me at the first two verses, verses 14 and 15. It says, for it, let's just pause there. Well, what is it? What's he talking about, right? Well, if you back it up to even the very first verse of 25, it says, the kingdom of heaven will be. And this is one of several parables where Jesus is explaining what the kingdom of heaven, that that when Christ returns and establishes his final and full kingdom, uh, this is what it's going to be like when he comes. This is what it's going to be like when that kingdom is initiated. So, Um, when it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one, he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. So as we look at this, we see very clearly here that this man is going on this journey. He's calling his servants together and he's entrusting them property, his resources. So in ancient days, uh, when a master left, he could be gone for a year or two. This wasn't like, hey, just drop me off down at Cleveland Hopkins Airport. I'm going to catch a plane, right? This wasn't, hey, I'm just going to go down to Amtrak and jump on a train really fast. This isn't, I'm just going to get in a car and drive. This is, I'm taking a trip and it's going to take a long time to get there, which means it's going to take a long time to get back. And if I'm going to stay there a long time, I'm gone a long time. And so I don't know about you, but if you were going to be gone on a trip, who would you give your keys to, right? Who would you give the keys to your car, to your house, to your possessions? Who would you give your Visa card to and your credit card to and say, manage my money, right? (laughs) Some of you are thinking, nobody that I know. (laughs) You would only give that to someone you trust. See, as Jesus is telling the story about a master and the servants, this isn't a cold transaction between an employer and an employee. 
This is, this, is a, this is a relational exchange between someone who has great uh, resources that's now entrusting these resources to the care of someone that they know, someone that they value, and someone that they trust. And so the servants here are not just simply cold, a cold, detached uh, employee relationship. This, these are the servants. They're known in this story, and so we have to understand that. And so uh, he gives them what we call talents here. Now, uh, when we look at the word talent, we, we hear that word, we instantly think about like our abilities and gifts. The application of that word is true, but in reality, what a talent is, is it's a measurement of weight. And so when he gave uh, talents to these servants, he gave them various weights of his resources. So to one, he gave five talents, okay? To another, he gave two talents, and to another, he gave one. Okay, so... Uh, the talent is a measurement of weight, approximately about 75 pounds. Usually it was a measurement of gold or silver. So the first guy basically got, you know, five times 75, was it 375 or something? 375 pounds of silver or gold. That's a pretty hefty responsibility. The other guy got, you know, two talents, so it's about 150 pounds of silver or gold. And even though it's very easy to go like, oh, that guy just got one talent. Hey, I don't know about you, I'd get in line for 75 pounds of gold or silver, right? So he was given one talent. And it's interesting is he gave these talents based on their ability. It's so easy to look and go like, oh, why did that guy, why did, you know, this guy obviously is more important than this guy. No, though, they're not more important. But it says right here, he gave them that weight based on their ability because the master knows all of our capacity, right? The Lord knows our capacity of what we can do and how much we can do, and he gives us gifts, he gives us resources based on what we're capable, what our capacity is. And so one guy had a greater capacity to the other, but here's the thing, they might not have had equal proportion given to them, but they had equal responsibility given to them, right? The amount might have been different, but the expectation of the master to use whatever they were given was the same. So different uh, portions, but same expectation. Different portions, but same responsibility was given to these servants. And so uh, those are the talents. Now, the master has entrusted us with resources, right? Um, I want you to just kind of do a quick assessment of your life. What has God given you? Like, you can break that down in material and immaterial, right? Like, think about your material things. Like, God's given you a body, God's giving you home, cars, work, food, money, you know, possessions, everything we have. Every little stitch of what we have is from God. He's given us the means to acquire it, or he's actually provided those things in our life. He's also given us immaterial things, our souls. I mean, a kingdom that he has for us. Love, patience, joy, hope. All these things that are immaterial still come. Like, if you find yourself having hope in the midst of something that feels hopeless, where do you think that comes from, Right? When you find yourself having joy in the midst of a situation that doesn't make you happy, where does that come from, right? When you have peace, when there's a total you know, hurricane of circumstances around you, where do you get that? See, all this stuff comes from the master. He's given us these resources. And so we're to use these resources, and he's also given us something specific called spiritual gifts right? Spiritual gifts. Uh, if you look in your living new page, and I put the quote on the screen, but on page 163, uh, we define a spiritual gift as such. It's a supernatural ability activated and empowered by the Holy Spirit that enables a believer to build up the body of Christ in a unique way. And so all of us have 
these spiritual gifts when we're followers of Christ. This is an additional resource that the master has given to us to use for his kingdom. Now, related to that, uh, here's, if you were to want to just dig in a little bit more on what those spiritual gifts are, these are the passages you'll find those spiritual gifts. You got them in Romans, 1 Corinthians, and 1 Peter. Uh, we don't believe that those are an exhaustive list necessarily of the only gifts that God has, but they're probably the bulk of what God's provided because he's put them in his word. And uh, we don't believe that uh, someone has all the gifts, but we believe that all have some of the gifts right? All followers of Christ have some of the gifts. And so if you want to dig into those gifts a little bit more, also, uh, for those of you who call CVC home, you've been here a while, or if you're newer, uh, you can also go to a former teaching series we did years ago called For the Common Good, where we taught for several weeks on the spiritual gifts. You can go to our teaching website and look in the archives and get that, if that's of interest to you. Uh, I'm going to bring this back around at the end of our time, but you can also go online right now, and uh, you can see that there's a spiritual gift assessment how many of you have taken a spiritual gift assessment? I know many of you have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a bunch of you that still haven't. This is cool. You just go on. It's going to take you, you know, 15, 20 minutes, answer a bunch of questions, and it helps you uh, possibly identify which gifts God might have given you. Now, don't try to cheat, right? Don't be like, I want to be a teacher, so I'm going to answer these questions to make sure. No, just, just take it, answer it honestly, just navigate your way through it, and uh, God can give you some ideas. But here's the deal. God's given you a gift the master's given you a resource. How are you using it? Because it's not about what you have. It's about what you're doing with it, right? And so you notice here, the master gave each of these servants a different amount, and they're supposed to put them to work. Find out what it is that God's given you so that you can put it to work. Uh, one of the quotes from our book is uh, from Dr. Howard Hendricks, um, late professor, theologian, incredible man of God. He says, trying to minister without first understanding how God has gifted you is like spinning your wheels on an icy road. A lot of noise and smoke, but little progress. A lot of us in Northeast Ohio know what that's like. And so um, yeah, find out what your gifting is so that you can utilize it well. So first thing we see is that if you're a faithful servant, uh, the master has entrusted gifts to you. And specifically today, those gifts that we're looking at are the spiritual gifts that God's given you. The second thing we see here about a faithful servant is that a faithful servant will enthusiastically employ the gifts that they're given. Will enthusiastically employ the gifts that they're given. Let's continue in Matthew 25. Let's go to verses 16 through 18. Now, he who had received the five talents went at once, traded with them, and he made five talents more. So this guy it says he traded. Now, that doesn't mean he went and like swapped his you know, weighted bag for another weighted bag. It means he did business with it, right? So who knows what these guys did? Maybe they bought um, a, a vineyard and started producing you know, wine and grape juice. Maybe, maybe they planted an uh, olive grove and started producing olive oil. Who knows? It's a story. We can't take that too far. But they utilized, employed what God has given them, right? So he doubled it. He made five more talents, verse 17. So also he who had the two talents made two more, so he doubled what you know, the resource was. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And so as we look at this here, the faithful stewards, servants are the ones who employ the gifts they receive from the Father. Now this is where we notice a divide between the faithful and the unfaithful servant, Right? Uh, between the wise and the unwise, those who employ the master's resources and those who do not. 
Now, we first see that the faithful servants immediately put it to work. They didn't wait. It says immediately they went and they started utilizing. So it's one of those things that we all know God's given us gifts. And once you start to understand that, you, you, you immediately try to find out what they are. You immediately try to put them to work. You, just want, you want those to be uh, industrious. And as we look at these faithful servants, we don't believe that they, again, were driven by fear or pressure. We feel like they were driven by wanting to please the master, make him proud and bring pleasure to, to him. And so they put these things to work. Now, um, then we see this other guy, the last servant in the story. Now, we're not told why. We're not told why he hid, but we can pretty much take a pretty solid guess at why he hid the talent he was given. He, he put it in the dirt. Now, it, it, was, it wasn't uncommon to hide money in the ground, but he took the one talent he had, 75 pounds of gold or silver, buried, buried it. He dug a hole and buried it and left it there. He didn't put it to work at all. Now, we don't know if that's because he was just lazy. We don't know if it's because he was afraid. We don't know all those things, but we do know this. He accomplished nothing for his master. He didn't do anything. He didn't accomplish anything for his master. He played it safe. He avoided risk. He dodged responsibility, and he produced nothing. And so the unfaithful servant does not employ what the master gives him, but instead hides it. So I just want you to think about your life and what God has given you, what the master has given you. What are you doing? What have you done with what the master has provided in your life? You know, as I was a young uh, Christian growing in my faith, I had a young man uh, that was discipling me, and he spent time with me teaching me the, the ways of the Lord and time studying the Bible, and he saw that I had a great conflict. I was, I was not raised in a, in a home that loved Christ. Uh, I was raised in a home that had a, a great uh, drive for materialism. And so uh, even to this day, I have some family members, and I know a lot of you have these same family members, that they get their worth from how much money they have or from what they've accomplished or from what possessions they own. And so I was raised with that kind of conditioning in my life. And so as I started trying to follow Jesus, there was a tension in me because uh, the way I was conditioned and raised, you know, I need to have a lot of money, I need to have nice things, was, was, was part of my upbringing. But then as I started growing in Christ, I realized, no, that's not about that stuff. It's about pleasing Jesus. And this, this man in my life saw that tension. And he basically looked at me one day and says, we, we got to talk. He goes, here's the bottom line. You can say with your mouth all you want that you love Jesus and you're about growing his kingdom. But here's the true test. All I need to do is look at two areas of your life. Two areas of your life to see who you truly worship and what you're truly about. I just need to look at your bank account and I just need to look at your calendar. If I look at your bank account and your calendar, that will tell me who you truly serve. That will tell me about who you truly love most. And I was like, dang, bro, that hurts, man. Why do you have to be doing that, you know? And because both my um, calendar... And my bank account were reflecting that life was about me. It was about me and my interest, not about the kingdom. And so spiritual growth a lot of times will be measured as we start to see how our bank account and as our calendar shifts, as we use what God's given us. God's given us every dime we have as we start to use those resources to try to reach people and invite them to a new life in Christ and make a difference in this world. How we use our time, how we use our talents, and how we use our spiritual gifts. And so how are you employing the spiritual gifts God's given you? Look, some of you are teachers. Man, so, some of you are like literal teachers. You're teaching in school now, but are you teaching anyone about the things of God? 
Are, are you teaching children? Are you teaching in a life group setting? Are you teaching other people about Jesus and how to love Jesus? Some of you are incredibly compassionate and merciful. Man, God's given you that gift of mercy. And when you hear about hurting people, you're like, you just want to run to that need and see how you can meet it. Um, are, are you doing that? Some of you are administrative beast, man. You're like an administrative animal. I'm so grateful for you because that's like the one gift I don't have, you know? And some of you can organize and structure. And some of you are incredible servants. You're like, just let me get my hands dirty, man. Let me just roll it up and make things happen. Don't you ever put me up front. Just put me in the back. But I want to, like, we all have these gifts. How are you using your gifts to please the master who gave them to you? Who, who has a kingdom that he's building, has invited you into building it, and has given you these gifts to be part of building his kingdom. How are you doing that? What fruit do you have to offer your master? You know, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses uh, 10 through 11, it says, as each, each believer, right, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We're to use the gifts with all the strength God provides to please him and to build his kingdom. Uh, There's an acronym that's been going around for years that's really helpful to understand that God has uniquely shaped each and every one of us. Like none of us are alike. None of us are going to stand side by side and have equal gifts and equal contribution. We're, we're all going to have various capacities based on what the master's given us, but we have, all have equal responsibility to employ them. And so it's really helpful to understand your shape, right? And so we look at the shape here, for example. Uh, you know, what's your spiritual gifting? You know, what, what gifting has God put in your life? What, what's the heart? Like, what, do you, what does your heart rally around? What, what, what are you passionate about? What are your abilities? What are you good at doing? Uh, what's your personality? And some of us are like, man, if we could just leave that personality out of the body of Christ, that would be beneficial. No, we all have value, right? And so what's your personality? Are you an introvert, extrovert? We all bring tremendous value despite our personalities. What experiences? All of us have different life experiences. And we all have a very unique shape. And God wants to use you and the unique shape that you have to serve him and his kingdom and to impact the lives of others. And so we have to find out what that shape is and put it to work inside the church to benefit one another and outside the church to point people to Jesus. But here's what's true. The faithful servant will employ the gifts that God's given them, will faithfully serve with them. We lastly see this related to a faithful servant. Not only does a faithful servant receive gifts from the master, not only do the faithful servants employ those gifts, but we see here uh, lastly that um, faithful servants experience rewards from the master. Then we're rewarded from the master. Let's finish this passage, right? So Matthew 25, look at verse 19. Now, after a long time, the master of the servants came and settled accounts with them. Let's just stop there. I think this is significant. It's one of those verses that you can see and skip over. It was a long time that the master was gone. They had time to, for, to, to utilize these gifts or to not utilize the gift for the third servant. It was a long time. Obviously, this parable is about the return of Christ. Like, it feels like Jesus is coming back. <laughs> it's been a long time, right? Some of us are, could you just come back before I vote, please? Can you just come back before the vote? <laughs> A lot of us are like, I really don't want to vote. Or if you've already voted, you've been putting, you know, nausea medication in your body for the last 48 hours. It's going to feel like a long time that Jesus comes back. 
But just like those of you who've, who've planned a wedding, it's like, oh, we're going to get married in 18 months. All of a sudden, next thing you know, you're at the altar, right? Some of you are like, oh, we're, we, we're pregnant. We're with child. So I've got nine months. Next thing you know, you're like, you're in labor, right? Jesus is coming back. So, oh, it's been so long. Then all of a sudden, he's back. Christ is coming back, and it'll be like that when he comes back. And be like, what did I do with the time? What did I do with the resources? And so it says here that it was after a long time with the master, and he came back to settle accounts. When the Lord comes back, it's going to be a party. But there's also going to be this little moment of like, he's going to settle up to see what we've done if we've been faithful as a servant, right? And so the parable continues on, verse 20. Uh, and he who had received... The five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good, faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set over you much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the music is cute. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> he also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, master, I need you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seeds. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gathered where I scatter no seed? Well, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For everyone who has will more be given and he who have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness into the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There are those passages in the scripture that we'd like to avoid, that we'd like to um, not talk about, but this is one of those passages that we cannot uh, go around. The master came back after a long time. Jesus is going to come back. The master settled his accounts. Jesus is going to settle accounts with us. And at that time, it's going to be clear who lived for the kingdom and who lived for the master and who doesn't live for the kingdom and who doesn't live for the master based on what we've done with what he's given us. Now, while we wait for Jesus to return, we don't retreat into comfort. We don't, we don't hide. We, we, we take what he's given us and we employ it and we put it to work and we take risks relationally and we step out and we step up and we step out and start to use what God's given us to try to help people understand the love of Christ. And for those faithful servants who do so, look what happens, right? The faithful servants were rewarded. They were rewarded. They were rewarded with uh, more responsibility. I believe that as you guys are faithful, as I'm faithful with whatever God's given us, he will start to give us more responsibility because we're proven to be faithful. And so he'll give us more responsibility here as we exercise it well. And not only that, he, he affirmed them, he commended them, he, he gave them more responsibility. And then the, the, the one that we all love to look at, those special words, well done, good and faithful service, enter into the joy of your master. They got to experience a joy that, that nothing else can touch. To be in the presence of the master's joy. It is the pleasure of the master that's the ultimate joy for the servant. And so as you and I identify these gifts, as we recalibrate our understanding of money, 
and possessions and time. And we use them for the Lord's work. As he sees that, we know that we're positioning ourselves well to stand before the master one day and for him to say, good job. I'm so pleased with what you've done. Enter in the joy of your master. Yet, we come to the unfaithful servant. And that unfaithful servant and the interaction that we see here in this parable reveals a lot about the heart of that third servant. See, when called to make an account, did you notice what the servant did? When he came with that talent, he, he shifted away. He did not accept any responsibility, right? The other two came with what they had done, and they say, you gave us responsibility, and we utilized it. The other one basically said, you gave me this, and because you are a hard man, and because you basically harvest where you didn't plant anything, I was a little bit scared, so I buried this thing in the ground, but it's okay, I've got it back, here you go, I'm giving you back what belonged to you. What did he do? He pinned, he tried to pin his lack of responsibility onto the master. We do that, don't we? Like, we look at what goes on in life, and we're like, God, if you would have done this, then I would do this. And God, if you would do this, then I will do this. And we try to pin our responsibility on the Lord, why we're not, you know, giving money the way we should, why we're not giving of our time the way we should, why we're not exercising the gifts. And we start to heap up all these excuses. You know, Pastor Joe Valenti did a great job last week talking about how as servants we need to walk in the spirit, right? Walking in the spirit of God and not walking in the flesh. And one of the things he said that was so humorous but so true is that in the flesh we are excuse-making factories, Right? And I just laughed when I heard that. I was like, that's so true. And this guy's a prime example. Oh, you, you, you've given me responsibility. You've given me something to use, but because of who you are, I didn't use it. Yeah, I'd like to see us try that with God face-to-face, right? And what you see here is that the master, <laughs> he didn't bite. He shot right through the smoke and mirrors and went right to the heart. He says, I'm going to go past your words right to your heart. And what did he discover in that servant's heart? You're wicked and you're lazy. You're wicked and you're lazy. And then all of a sudden, this, uh, the servant gets punished. And we start to look at this story, and all of a sudden, Jesus gets this really dark tone. He, t- he says, man, his talent was taken away. It was given to one who was more responsible. And all of a sudden, he was taken out of the kingdom, and he was put into outer darkness where there's weeping and this gnashing of teeth. You know what he's talking about, right? What's he talking about? It's hell. He's talking about hell. And all of a sudden we go, whoa, what is he talking about? Because if we're not careful, we start to go into that works mindset going, ooh, if I don't use my gift, then I'm going to lose my salvation and I'll go to hell. No, that's not true. Because what this teaches us about this third servant is that because he was given a gift and didn't do anything with it, it's not that this is a works thing, it's that basically what he did or didn't do with the gift didn't say that he lost the salvation, it shows he never had it. He never had it. Because he took the talent and buried it, it was his way of saying, I'm not about the master. I'm not about the master's business. I'm just going to put it out of sight, out of mind, do my life the way I want, and then when I'm called upon account, then I'll just try to do this to reconcile the moment. You can't do that with God. And so what we see here is that his lack of proper use of the talent and his excuse to cover up his laziness and all those things shows that he didn't know the master. So it's not about losing salvation, it's about whether we ever have it. And so we look at this and go, his unwillingness to do anything with what the master gave him uh, revealed he didn't have the master on his heart, his mind, he's buried on it, he buried that talent and did his own thing. And so he appeared to be a servant on the outside, 
But when he had to give account, it was revealed that he was never a servant on the inside. He appeared to be part of what the master was about, but when was given responsibility and given a mission and given the resource to fulfill that mission, he did nothing with it, which revealed the true condition of his heart. So he had no interest in the master. And this is the caution for us here. Like we don't want to dodge this. We want to hit it head on. This is a caution for us. What does it say about us if we go to church, if we go to Bible studies, if we talk about Jesus, but at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, at the end of the year, at the end of the decade, we have done nothing for the master. That the gifts he's given us, the money he's given us, the possessions he's given us, the time he's given us, the spiritual gifts he's given us, if we do nothing with those, then doesn't it not say that we don't have a heart or mind or intention to do anything for the master? Maybe in the same way, it could say, man, you're not doing anything with that gift for Christ because you actually don't know Christ. Because if we really believe that God's our master and we really live as a servant to the master, then we want to please the master. And we're gonna use everything he's given us to, to, to bring the master glory and to obey him and to do it well. And so not using your gift, maybe Jesus might even be coming back. I mean, there's a caution here. <clears throat> For some of us, the reason we're not using our gift yet is because we don't know what it is, or we just need to be reminded to be, be, keep, it, keep it going. This was after a long time that the master was gone, right? This wasn't like he came back two days later and said, oh, you're not using your gift. We're, you know. <laughs> no, we don't need to be scared about that. But look, if you say you're a follower of Christ and a long time goes by, but you never use what God's given you, what does that really say about our heart in relation to the master? And so let's not be deceived. Let's not be distracted. The master will come to settle account with the servants and the faithful servants will be rewarded. The unfaithful servants will be punished because they were never servants in the first place. That's what that says there. Now, on the day that Christ returns, this is our prayer, may he catch us red-handed using his gifts. May he catch us um, using our time, our talent, our treasure, our spiritual gifts, everything to help people know Christ, know more about Christ, and to love people, to love the people who are hurting, and to, to invest in the lives and souls of others. May God find us busy doing that, and may he joyfully look at all of us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And as I look at all that, uh, I just have to say this. Thank you. Man, thank you, because I know that every service today, I'm going to be looking out in a room where so many of you are faithful in serving your master, and we feel the fruit of that here inside the church walls as we benefit from each other's gifts, and we also see the fruit of that as you guys live as missionaries and life houses outside the church, trying to use your gifts to point people to Jesus. So thank you for being faithful, because a faithful servant serves faithfully, and so many of you are doing that. I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I thought, you know what? I just want to hear from some of you. I, I, we emailed just a small sampling of so many of you who are, are faithful, and, and cause, just because of time, saying, I'd just love to share some thoughts from a few of you for the rest of the body. We had a massive response, man, massive response of people saying, oh, I want to I want to talk about serving. And so, so many of you shared open-heartedly. I feel uh, bad I can't share at all, but I just want to share with you a few of the things that some of uh, our body has shared in relation to serving and being faithful. Uh, one question we asked was, how has God grown you, right? Because if you serve, you grow. How has God grown you since you've been active in serving? Molly says, my prayer life has grown. 
She also said, and they serve in student ministry, so many of our daily life decisions are based around when we serve, like making our schedules around our weekly life group, taking vacation to go to summer camp, making ourselves available to meet with students, etc. Our mindset has been changed from self-focused living to serving the youth as our mission field. Man, those are people using the resources to please the master. Chip says, Jesus has also grown the desire to serve within me. And when I'm not serving, something just doesn't seem right. When we use our talents for his glory, it brings joy. Deb says, serving at first was difficult due to my hardened heart. By his grace alone, my new life was transformed from a heart of attitude to a heart of gratitude. And so God grew her heart. Uh, We also asked, what brings you joy when you serve? What brings you joy? Chris says, knowing I touched a life, maybe for a minute or maybe for eternity, brings me joy. Don and Barb say, one of the most rewarding joy is feeling God's pleasure as you join him in his work in people's lives. And through our life groups, we've had the joy of seeing people grow in their intimacy and commitment to the Lord and their understanding and obedience to his word. Michelle says, not only have I learned and grown in my own faith and marriage and parenting through sharing life with other moms, but I've been able to watch as God uses this ministry to affect marriages and families and neighborhoods and schools. And she's getting joy by watching the fruit of the investment of what God's given them. Shola and Felicia say, it is counted to be a privilege to serve and the joy I have comes from the knowledge that any of my service is a pleasure to our God and brings him joy. And lastly, we ask them, what advice or encouragement can you offer to those not serving or hesitant to serve? And by the way, many of them just said, just do it. Just do it. Just jump in there. Just serve. But a few elaborated and said this, John and Chris, I've never regretted the time or energy spent serving. But in fact, look back and realize that it was the best use of my time. It's worth it for God's kingdom to spend our lives for others. Mary said, living for your own passion and pleasures can leave you feeling empty. When serving Christ by serving others, he gives you purpose, joy, a stronger faith when you depend on him to lead you to the place where he wants you to serve. Kara says, serving may put you outside your comfort zone, but by not serving, you can be missing out on the gospel conversation and growth with Christ. No matter what your reason is for not serving, just remember that the people of God are called to serve. Chip said this, this is good practical advice. If you are hesitant to jump into serving by yourself, find a friend, do it together. Be persistent. The impact of your serving doesn't always show up on day one, but happens over time. And so we're all called to be faithful as servants. So thank you for being faithful. Some of us honestly can learn to be more faithful. And so what we learn about the faithful servant is simply a faithful servant serves faithfully. And he's been entrusted by gifts from the master. He employs those gifts and is rewarded for using those gifts. Now, I want to give you three action points for today. What can you do today to walk out of here applying what we've talked about? First, uh, go online and take that spiritual gift assessment. Get a better idea of what God's uh, given you as spiritual gifts. And then right after that, go online to the CVC website. We have a, a link there that can help you find places to serve in the church. Find a place that would be a good fit. And if you need help, that's why we're here. Hey, I took the spiritual assessment. It says that I have the gift of you know, um, administration. Like, where do you need that? How can I use that? And we'd love to help kind of say, well, we have a need here, and here's a good way you can serve, and we'll help you with that. But by first, taking a spiritual gift assessment. Second, uh, finding a place where you can serve. And third, this, be active in using your gifts outside the church. Also be active in using your gifts outside the church to point people to Jesus. 
That's what God wants us to do. Now, for some of you, your very first step is to get into relationship with Christ. You've heard a lot today about God's love, that he's the master, and maybe today what God's doing in your heart as you're watching online or as you're in this room is you're realizing God owns everything. God is actually my master, but I've not been living as a servant. I've buried everything, but I don't want to go that route. I want to, I want to be used by God. Well, first you have to be in relationship with Christ. And during this time, you can do, that, that's just the shift in your heart. You just say, Lord, I need you. I want to follow you. Uh, man, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. God rose from the grave so that you can have new life. You, you simply put your trust and faith in that understanding and become a follower of Christ. And if you do that today, we want to help you grow. And so please communicate with us. Take that part of your program or the card in front of you. Turn that in the baskets that are about to come around, just saying, I'm giving my life to Christ today. What do I need to do to grow? We'd love to help you. For the rest of us, we just got to be faithful, all right? So let's pray. And then we'll continue. We're going to take Lord's Supper today. We're going to worship a little bit more. But let's just close our time together in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, our Master, we come to you today grateful that you are the Master, Lord, because when we try to be masters of our own life, we tend to make a mess. But God, you are a Master. You sustain us. You provide for us. You love us. God, thank you for all that you do in our life. Thank you for who you are as a good Master, a loving Master. God, we pray for those right now who need a relationship with you. Pray for those who do not know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, that uh, they would open their hearts and choose to follow you, Lord, starting today. God, uh, we ask for forgiveness for not submitting our lives to you and following you like we could. We ask that you grow us to be more faithful as your servants. In fact, I just want to encourage you um, as a congregation, I just want to lead us in a prayer. And so it's on the screen. It's also just something I'm just asking you to repeat this after me. Just say, Master, you own all things. You have entrusted us with gifts and resources. Help us to be faithful and fruitful with them. Forgive us for hiding them. Forgive us for squandering them. As your servants, help us not to play it safe, but to step out and take risks for you and your kingdom. Help us multiply your happiness and advance your kingdom with what you have given us as we serve you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. We all say it together.